Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Today uh, with Neshama Karlbach, who is an award-winning singer and songwriter and educator who has performed and taught in cities around the world. Six time in Trenton, the Gram- Grammy Awards. Neshama has sold over a million records, making her one of today's best-selling Jewish artists in the world. And she's someone that I admire greatly for not only her music and education, but for her, her Neshama itself. So thanks for taking this time. Oh, my honor. Awesome to be here with you. So to jump right in, um, you know, a, yes. lot of people, a lot of people are hurting today. I mean, naturally people hurt, but uh, for, you know, other reasons today as well. And I wonder, like, what are some of the ways that people might think about improving their capacity for love for other people at a time like this? You know, I think improving one's capacity is a very deep thing to say, because the truth is we are all broken. And I believe we see the world through the eyes of of our experience, through the eyes of our own sorrow, through the eyes of our own regret, through the eyes of longing, through the eyes of, you know, whatever it is that holds us down in the world. So when you talk about surpassing your own capacity, it's it's not a simple thing to take on. There are people who, who don't know how to get out of bed in the morning. There are people, you know, much less find a way to love for no reason at all, or to, to make space in their heart for people in need who are not in, within their own immediate family or, you know, without reason. People, people don't find as much room for empathy as, they, as potentially they could if they're in a lot of pain. So how to improve um, our own capacity for living and breathing, I think that comes from within. I, I don't believe we can look on the outside at all, and I don't believe that there's a formula I don't believe that there's any one person that is the same as any other. And even people who have similar kinds of pain or maybe comparable experiences, I don't know, everyone's got their stuff, man. They just, and we all, we all have to find our way forward into our own space of tikkun and wholeness. Um, And I think it starts with prayer. I think it starts with a lot of tears. I think it starts with, I mean, for me, it started with therapy. You know, I I was a broken mess when my father died. I was young. I didn't know how to, how to handle myself. I didn't know how to breathe. I didn't know how to talk to people. I, I could not get beyond my own broken heart. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've all had moments in our lives that are like that. We just, we don't know how to do it. And if you can dig in, um, and you know, it's amazing when I went through my divorce, um, I saw an amazing article in like a very cheesy <laughs> Facebooky kind of place talking about an actress who had, you know, her husband had, was exposed on, you know, on Instagram and then found out she, he was cheating, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And, and here she was in a, in a new situation in public 
and they said, how do you handle your pain? And I read it. And she said something really powerful. And I wish, I'm telling you, I wish I could remember who she was because I quote her all the time. <laughs> when you are in your greatest pain, how do you, how do you do it? How do you make it? And she said, I try to remember when I'm in my greatest deep place of pain that that place only lasts around 15 minutes. Mm. And I thought to myself, how inspiring is that? It's like the labor, you know? It's like mm. when you when you fall into your real place of sorrow, into your own darkness, really look at the clock because <laughs> it is fascinating in that despair. Don't be afraid of not crawling out. You're gonna crawl out. It's just gonna take a few minutes. Um, and the pain comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. And I believe that if we are not afraid to look at it, to, to step in, turn on the light, make friends with it, open the drapes, hang a picture on the wall. I mean, I'm being very, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to think about, but if, if people in the world could somehow adjust themselves to the thought that they are human, and whole and broken and capable and incapable and somehow find peace within themselves with their own space in the world, with their own lives, with their own families, their own experiences. I believe then we would maybe have a chance mm -hmm. at finding the way to really love mm -hmm. on the outside. If not, sometimes we can, but the fact is it's, it's not so easy. Yeah, love that, love that. So moving from the individual to the collective, uh, and, and on the one hand, Jews live in a golden age today of renaissance. On the other hand, there's a, a lot of inherited trauma. There's a lot of fear and polarization, rising anti-Semitism and the like, two horrific synagogue attacks just re, you know, not so long ago. And I wonder yes. what are some of the ways that we can kind of hold that fear and yet not let it morally paralyze us, kind of exhibit this love collectively despite this fear of future attacks, this uncertainty yes. of the future. Yes, I, I know, I feel the same. I, um, I say out loud to my husband sometimes, like, yeah, I'm, now I know why I don't want to go to shul. I mean, it's a terrible thing. <laughs> now I got an excuse. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, it's laughable. I, um, since my father died, I have a hard time going to shul. That's just, that's my own broken place everything doesn't compare um and i know that there are people all over the world who maybe are into shul maybe are not maybe have their reasons now are running away because it feels unsafe um and i wish i had the answer for myself for my children i wish i had it i think that in life this is why we sing you know i'm not saying professionally i'm saying in life this is why we find a nigun this is why we find a melody, a prayer, a pasuk, whatever it is that holds our heart together and you connect to the, to the one above, to the one within. Because we could be afraid of everything. We could stop going to the supermarket. We could stop going to restaurants. We could stop opening the front door. The fact is you can get paralyzed and locked down and you have great reason to. And then somehow when you connect to that energy that is larger than you, you know that we are all exactly where we're supposed to be. And for me, that's been the only reason, um, the only way for me to get past my own fear of the outside world. And I'm working on it. 
I, I think we're in a very interesting time right now. And I, I want to believe that we're finding our way through it and past it for the sake of our children. And I just, I don't know. Um, but I'm down to sing. I'm down to hope. I'm down to wish and to long for something better. And, and I'm still going to go to shul. So I hope that all of you out there, whatever it is, find your way to repel yourself out. Because once you get out there and breathe, it's usually much better also. Yeah. You know, we often think about spirituality as being about the self. Um, mm. Of course, there can be a collective experience. But I wonder, like, on an ethical level, how might our own spiritual engagement also, and you've touched on this already, but expand our 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 our, our um, ability to love, whether it means family, friends, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, strangers, refugees, you know, even our enemies to some degree. Yes, you know? I mean, how, how how might how might the way we think about our shul experience, our private spiritual experiences, not just be one of healing, although that's almost enough itself, but also be one of bridge building. I really think that we have pain and challenge in our lives so that we become stronger and more compassionate humans. I think that's the only reason. Because if, I mean, that has to be, that's part of my own bitachon, my own set of belief. I have to believe that we're doing, you know, we're all in this pain for some reason. Um, and when you get out of your own way and you realize that everyone's got a story, everyone's got something, and your compassion becomes bigger than your own sorrow and then you can make space um, but it takes a little bit of work because you have to you have to kind of get beyond yourself to get to that place where you can feel for other people um, and that's also incredibly challenging um, you know and we for the people that are closest to us sometimes it's hardest of all I feel like we can we can have more compassion for a headline you know for people who we hear about in the world than we can for our own partners sometimes for our own children it's it's our parents especially I mean god our parents you know it seems to be the theme you know in my own life but you know what do we do with our parents right. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's really it's hard to see our parents as people to love them to not love them to forgive them to set it free and I think it all stems from a place of compassion and allowing yourself to really see them as people not as as an entity that's offending you <laughs> or it's not about it's not always about you um, it took me a long time to really internalize that message. But that, again, I think is probably the only real way forward. When, you, when you're able to be there and present for somebody else, it really helps to surpass your own stuff, don't you find? Right, totally, yeah. And I, and I hope people internalize that message you just said, because I think that when people come to adulthood in various ways and see those flaws of their parents, they mm -hmm. can run the other way from them. And I think that that's, that's, that's like the epitome of a broken world where like, because we see the flaws of our parents, we reject them, you know, yeah. and um, that healing process, I think is uh, like you said, to have a respect, but also see see those flaws as part of their greatness in some ways and part of just their humanity. Yes. Yes. And also to not feel that it's on you to hold it. Yes, exactly. And I think I think we really, yes. not just me, definitely me, but people tend to walk through the world eating their parents' pain, that cultural stuff that you were talking about before. It's who doesn't feel the pain of the Holocaust when they 
live it with their family, even if they were born so many years later. It's so easy to take people's, to take the empathy and take it so much farther Mm -hmm. so that it's your, it's your meal every day you are eating and ingesting this pain. So how do you love somebody enough to be present, but also love yourself enough to be boundaried? Um, it's a great lesson and one that I, I literally just in the last few years for myself understand in my blood, not just, you know, hypothetically, but to really understand that that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. In addition to those flaws, it's a a lot of the alienation for others. There's so many experiences, as you know, it comes from a place of the the parents' political conviction or the parents' religious commitment. And actually like, no matter how much you dislike a certain politician, the fact that your parents supports them doesn't equate them. No matter how mm-hmm. much you feel distance from a religious worldview, it need not be a barrier, you know? And I think, mm-hmm. like you said, not holding that pain, but also not holding that expansive problem in that relationship, mm-hmm. you know, we, like loosening the grip it has on us. I love, I love that. Um, so uh, one last question for you, because I really want to honor your time. You're so uh, busy with awesome stuff. And that's really what I want to ask you about is, what are yes. some of the projects you're currently working on that kind of help promote love and spirituality in the American Jewish world and, and, and beyond there also. Thank you. So this is a, this is a very exciting time for me. I released um, a recording of all original music um, this year. It's called Believe. Um, and it's been an amazing new moment for me as, in terms of my own artistry, my, my time as a, as a person, my own self-reflection. I feel almost like I have a different voice in a certain way. Like I, I've been doing this a long time, but this is a new, very exciting new moment in my own artistic journey. Um, my place in the world, my, the way I see myself, the way I see, the way I see everything. Actually, it, it feels like I've. Um, it's just a, a very great moment of renewal. Um, I have a jewelry line, um, which we're very excited about. You can see it. You can see it here. Oh, very cool. Um, it's my handwriting, um, and it's taken from the, the front cover of the new CD, the word believe. Um, and I wrote it with my handwriting for a whole lot of reasons, but it's the concept of holding on to something. You know, it's exactly what we're speaking about today. The idea that there is something larger than us, you know, that we can connect to, that we can relate to, and just believing that we're going to get through. Just even looking at the word for me sometimes it's a mantra it brings strength and i i've been traveling now we're taking the music and the the jewelry and and the work outside and seeing people's reactions to the word the concept of believing um i feel very blessed really blessed i'm still working with my gospel choir i'm hoping to to be a part of the jewish world and also on the outside to bring to bring the love that we so inherently hold for each other out to the world and um and i'm writing a book and I say that, you know, to give myself, you know, my own little bit of pressure to really push forward. I'm writing a book about my life, about my father, about my experiences. And when I'm not too frightened to sit down and type, I have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying that this coming year, um, there'll be a lot of opportunities um, for me to try to give strength through my own lens, through my own heart. And I feel really blessed that people in the world um, still want to hear us and still want to see us and sing with us. And so thank you for asking. Love it. Well, just to to close on you giving strength to my little daughter, as you know, her name is Maya, but I always call her Maya Neshama. And Uh, so if you can give her a little bracha right now, which I'll share with her later on what it means for her to carry the name Neshama. 
yeah, it's heavy stuff. <laughs> when I go to Israel, they're like, you know, like they don't believe that that's really my name. Like, yeah. And then, and in Starbucks, I'm always Michelle because like, who would believe it? You know, um, I think, I think when I was young, holding the name Neshama was very traumatizing. It's really intense. You mean soul. Um, it's something you have to grow into. Um, just like your own power, your own voice, your own presence in the world. It's something that you need to get used to and, and love. And so I think my prayer for, for her and for anyone carrying their own truth is to be who you are. Do not be afraid to step into the power of your own soul and to fly and to do all of it, to not, to not settle for less, to not decide that you're not good enough, to not, to not let anything stand between you and what you're in this beautiful world to do. Not the pain, not, not your parents, not your relationships, not your inside voices, just, just to be, to breathe and to fly and to connect to the soul that is you. And is she lucky to have a father like you? Thank you. I think here, you are the bracha already, okay. you and your family, you're, you're already giving it to her. Mm. Honored to join in, but she's good. Thank you. Beautiful. So, uh, friends, check out Neshama Karabakh's beautiful music and teachings. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. See you soon.